right, thank you so much, Kyle. Thank you, praise team, our choir. Thank all of you for worshiping this morning. If you brought your Bibles, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and also 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And I want to share a message with you this morning. You're going to have to listen real quick because I'm going to be talking pretty fast, I guess. But anyway, the title of my message is The Rapture. The Rapture, Fact or Fantasy? Fact or fantasy? 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we have to come and worship you and now to open your word. Allow your Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. And Father, thank you for this opportunity we have to be here. Thank you for our worship time. Lord, it was fantastic. We pray it was acceptable to you, O Lord. And so, Father, we pray that you would be with us during our time that we give to you as you speak to our hearts. Prepare us, we pray, to make those important decisions that you lead us to make. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Familiar passages, no doubt. We'll look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I'm going to read verses 50 through 55. You might want to mark this chapter. We'll come back to it in a few minutes. But uh, 1 Corinthians 15, we'll look at verse 50 through 55. Paul says, Now this I say, brethren, by that flesh and blood cannot enter the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I'll tell you a mystery. I've got a secret. It hasn't been revealed before. Paul is revealing this secret that's been held throughout the ages. The Old Testament's not mentioned in the Old Testament. It's only found here. He said, I'm going to reveal a mystery. I'll tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Word sleep there. We shall not all die, but we shall all be changed. We all may not die. We're going to, some are going to be living when Christ comes. But one thing for certain, we're going to be changed in a moment, verse 52, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. And so when the corruptible, this body of flesh, has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? Now, if you would, please turn to 1 Thessalonians, another familiar passage. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we'll look at verse 13 and following. Verse 13, 1 Thessalonians 4, he says, But I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, those who have died, lest your least you sorrow as others who have no hope. Now, he's speaking to the Thessalonian Christians, and they're real down in the dumps right now, and he wants to encourage them because they believe that perhaps the Lord has come back and cared their love, and their loved ones has missed his coming, and they're real sad, and he's trying to set them straight on this particular belief. He says, don't sorrow as those who have no hope Verse 14, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus, those who have died in Jesus. Verse 15, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord, 
that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep or those who've died. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. This morning, I want you to take just a few minutes as we begin, as I begin this message. Take just a, a not minutes, but just take a few moments, and I want you to picture of just a um, the beginning of a normal day i don't know how you begin your day but you just pretend for a moment that you're beginning a a normal day maybe your spouse is headed to work uh, the children are on their way to school and children or youth or whoever's our young adults here that's still in school uh what you i don't know you may be driving to school i don't know but you're on your way to school perhaps and maybe uh you're sitting down at a at the Waffle House to get a cup of coffee. I do that occasionally. And, or at the Huddle House or wherever I can find a good cup of coffee. And maybe you're just exercising. You're taking a walk. You're working out at the gym. You're walking on the treadmill. The point is it seems like just a regular day. And then before you can blink your eyes, you feel a change come over you. And it's not just an emotional change, but it's also, it's also a physical change. Because you feel yourself just being lifted straight up. You're just going straight up. And you notice as you're going straight up, you're not the only one going straight up. You, you're not the only one. You see others. You see this mass of people going up. And it's kind of like metal shavings being drawn to a magnet. And you, all these people just being drawn together and going up. And then all of a sudden, you see him. You see Jesus. Face to face, just like the song said. You see him face to face. The one that you've anticipated seeing your entire Christian life, you finally see him face to face. And you're joining that mass of people, and these people are surrounding him. And suddenly, you see his, you see his beautiful eyes, and it's though that with all those people around you, he makes, just, he makes just contact with you. He just looks into your eyes as you look into his eyes and you know you know you know that you're not afraid you know you're not frightened and you know without a shadow of doubt how deeply he loves you and then your journey begins again and you start going up again kind of level there above the earth's atmosphere and all of a sudden you start you start going up again and you're not scared you're you you know you, you know exactly where you're going you know, you've read about it, you've studied about it. And all of a sudden, you realize, I'm going to that place that Jesus has prepared for me. And this is the rapture. That's the rapture. That's a global church-wide event where Christ gathers to himself all believers from the day of Pentecost until that present day where he gathers the church home. Look, if you will, at 1 Corinthians 15. I ask you to mark it. Look, if you will, back there at 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 51 and 52. Notice what he says. He says this, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, 
in a twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. And Paul says in a split second, the bodies of, of church-age believers would be, uh, they'll be changed, they'll be uh, metamorphosed. They'll be changed like butterflies bursting out of a cocoon in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. And this external shell will be transformed from a, from a suit of flesh into a wonderful, beautiful new creation designed to last throughout eternity. That's going to happen just in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. And then we'll leave the ground to meet Jesus in the air. Now imagine that for a moment. One moment you're going about your mundane life, minding your own business, and the next moment you're a new person hovering over the atmosphere with your beloved Jesus. Think of that. Now, listen to this. If you're not anticipating that, if you're not anticipating that day, if you're not anticipating your departure time, which could happen any minute, there's one of three things that must be true about you. Number one, you really haven't grasped the, the enormity of the rapture of the church. Or you've never received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. You've never asked him to forgive you of your sins. You've never turned from your sins and turned to him. You've never asked him to save you. You've never done that. Or you think that this is just a bunch of nonsense and there's no reality whatsoever to it. One of those three things, you fall in that category. You see, we're living in what the Bible calls the last days. In a sense, the countdown to the end of time began when Jesus ascended into heaven. I've had people to come up to me very recently and say, is this the end of the world? I mean, with all that's going on in Israel. Is this the, is this the end of the world? No, it's not the end of the world. And you'll see that in just a moment. But the last days, the countdown from the time that Jesus ascended to heaven, even to right now, this is when the clock began to tick down toward the date of Jesus' second coming, his second advent. Now, we're not talking about the second advent. The first advent is when he was born, came to earth. He was born here on earth. The second advent of Jesus is his second coming, which he comes back to earth. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about the, the rapture. We're talking about being called up. We're talking about being snatched, the church, being snatched away from this so earth. That's what we're talking about. And, and that will happen before his second coming. So there's... And, and that wasn't told in the Old Testament. It's only found in the New Testament. It's primarily found in Paul's writings, in his, in his epistles. But we're waiting for that rapture. We're living in the last days, awaiting his coming. We're waiting for him to come the second time. However, the, from the ascension of Jesus to now... This is, this is known as the church age. This is a period of grace that we're living in now. And so for 2,000 years, Christ has given this period of time, this time for Gentiles to be saved. And so the point is the church age will end with the rapture, the gathering of the body of Christ, the believers. And so this period of grace, this grace period, this church age will end once Christ comes back and 
not to earth, but kind of hovers around in the upper atmosphere, and we start going up to him. That's the rapture. We're in the last days. The last days will end with the rapture of the church. And after the rapture, then the end times begin, meaning the final seven years of earth's history. After the rapture, you have the tribulation that takes place. Tribulation begins, and it'll climax with the battle of Armageddon, which will end when Jesus Christ visibly appears, visibly appears in the sky, in the air, defeating his enemies, establishing his thousand-year reign here on earth, uh, ruling from Jerusalem, not just a thousand years in Jerusalem, but a thousand-year reign over all the entire earth. And the Bible calls this the apocalypse. Apocalypse is where we get the English word apocalypse. And that simply means the the unveiling, the unveiling of Jesus Christ, or the revealing of Jesus Christ. But the point is, the end time begins seven years tribulation after the rapture. And if the, if the tribulation begins after the rapture, what does that mean? That means that as a believer, we won't experience the wrath of God that will be unleashed on this old cruel, wicked world that we live in. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 should be on the screen. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5. Look at verse, uh, look at verse 6. First Thessalonians, I'll turn chapter 5, verse 6. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do. Don't waste your time, but let us watch and be sober. Be on alert for those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk are drunk at night. Notice what he says, drop down to verse 9. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're not going to experience, the church is not going to experience, believers, Christians are not going to experience the wrath of God. Now we go through tribulation, we go through hard times. Some people refer to that as, as you know, tribulation, hard times, sickness, the death of a loved one. They said, man, I'm just going through some tribulation. But those are things that come to us. Those are tests and trials that come to us. That's not the great tribulation. And the great tribulations you don't want to be a part of comes immediately after the rapture of the church. Now, uh, John 16, verse 33, Jesus said, In this world... You will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So we're going to have our trials, and we're going to have our tests, and, and we're going to have some hard times, but it's not the great tribulation, believe me. So if you're taking notes real quick, what is the rapture? Well, the rapture of the church is the next event on God's prophetic timeline when Jesus snatches all Christians before the tribulation comes. So we're waiting on the rapture. We're waiting for the rapture. Now, after we're taken away, where we won't experience the wrath of God, then this terrible seven years of tribulation comes to the earth. But right now, we're waiting for Christ. There's not one, there's not one prophecy needs to be fulfilled before the rapture. We're waiting. And every person who comes to Christ during this church age will be removed in a single moment. All of us. If you're a believer, we're all going up. We're going up. And so the rapture will include everybody who's come to Christ since Pentecost. 
A.D. 33, up until now. Now, the word rapture comes to us in English from a Latin word, raptura, which means to carry off. It means to be abducted. It means to be snatched away. It means to be kidnapped. And so Christ is coming back. He's going to snatch us away. He's going to abduct us from this old earth. He's going to kidnap us, you might say, from this place. And sometimes in the near future, God will secretly take his church to heaven. It could happen any minute. And so you have the word rapture. Now, in 1 Thessalonians, they use the word, English words, called up. People say, well, the word rapture is not, uh, not in the Bible. Well, it's not in our Bible because it's Latin and this is an English Bible. But what we have is the words called up. And the called up comes from a Greek word, which is harpazo. And harpazo has three distinct meanings. Called up means to, to be carried off by force. We're going to be carried off by force. You know, who's the prince and the power of the air? The devil is. And we're going to be carried off through with such force that he and his demons, uh, none of his demonic beings will, able, will be able to prevent us from going from here to be with Jesus. We're going to be carried off with such force. Then the word also means to be rescued from danger. It carries that meaning. So we're not going to experience the wrath of God. We're going to be rescued from all of that tribulation stuff. And then it means to be transferred from one place to another swiftly. It's not going to take us that long to get to the Lord. We're going to move swiftly. We're going to be caught up, which means carried off by force, rescued from danger, and transferred from one place to another place in a real swift move. Okay? That's what the word means. Now, what's the details of the rapture? I'm going to give you some details. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 through 18. First of all, what's going to happen? Real quick. Christ is going to descend from heaven. That's what he says. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven. Notice, the Lord himself. Not going to send an angel, not going to send someone in his place, but he's coming himself. He's going to descend from heaven. Verse 17, verse 16, with a shout, the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be, there's that word caught up, uh, uh, Greek word harpazo, Latin word rapturo. We're going to be caught up, snatched away to be with him in the cloud, to meet him in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. And so the point is, only Christians will see Jesus in the sky. Nobody else is going to be involved. If you're an unbeliever, you're not going to see Jesus in the sky. Now, you will at the second coming. Every eye shall behold him. Okay? You're going to see him in the air. But here, all of a sudden, people are going to be called up. We're going to be called up. The point is, the, the Christian, the, uh, Christ's feet, Christ's feet will never touch the ground during this rapture period. Therefore, Christ secret, secretly calls believers to be with him and to await Armageddon's. Uh, so, so we're going up. And he, he's going to remove his people from the earth prior to his wrath. That's what he did with Lot. That's what he did with Noah. And so first, Christ details he's going to descend from heaven. And secondly, the dead in Christ will be raised. If you're a believer, if you died before the rapture, you're going to be raised first. You'll be raised first. The dead in Christ will be raised first. 
Now remember this, when Christians die, our spirit goes to be in the presence of God. Uh, Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So the moment we die, our spirit goes to be with the Lord, and our body remains here, and it's buried or whatever. It's mortal. Uh, it's immortal. It's, it's just a body of flesh. When Christians die, our spirit goes to be in the presence of God. Our bodies are left behind just as the body of Christ was left behind. And then three days later, uh, he was raised from the dead on Easter. Our bodies are going to be put in the ground or whatever. But then our spirit goes to be with the Lord. And when that trumpet sounds at the rapture, 1 Thessalonians 4.16 says the dead in Christ is going to rise first. And so those who have trusted Christ, and they've died, they're going to rise first. Look, if you will, real quick at 1 Corinthians 15.52. Notice what he said there. He says, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and shall be changed. You know, the last trumpet sounds important here because in the Roman army, a trumpeter was very important. He had, they had three blasts of a trumpet. On the first blast, that meant you sprung to your feet, you took down your tent. Second blast, you got in line, got ready to move out. Third blast, you moved out. And so at the last trumpet call, we're going to move out. And so who, notice this, who, who was raised first? The dead in Christ was raised first. Some believe the dead in Christ include all believers since the beginning of time, including those Old Testament saints. But I believe, along with some others, that the dead in Christ refers to the believers who have died since the ascension and the beginning of the church age. And I believe that uh, because I believe the, the, the rapture is an event for the church. Now, why is that? Paul said comfort. And he was comforted in the Thessalonian church. And uh, they'd lost loved ones. And he said, you know, don't, don't be confused. Uh, they haven't missed anything. They haven't missed the coming of the Lord. They're going to be first to receive their brand new bodies. And so I believe he's talking, he's speaking to those from Pentecost up to now. The others will be resurrected later. And we'll go through that some other time. So the word rapture. The details, descend from heaven, dead in Christ, raised first. Then third, all the living believers will be raised. Those who are alive will be raised after those who have died will be raised first. And so that means that there's going to be a generation of people living here on the earth and they're never going to experience death. But then suddenly they're going to be removed from the earth just as Enoch was and just as Elijah was in the Old Testament. And those who have died and those who are alive will be given, number four, they'll be given, they'll be given incorruptible bodies, new bodies. You see, temporal cannot inherit eternal. Um, therefore, at the rapture, the believer is going to experience a, a transformation from his mortal body to his spiritual, to a spiritual, immortal body. 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 42, and so also, so also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption, it's raised incorruptible. It's sown in dishonor, it's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness, it's raised in power. 
So what's the rapture? The details. Christ's going to descend from heaven. The dead in Christ will rise first. All living believers will be removed from the earth without dying. And then those who are dead and those living will be given immortal bodies. Now here's a question. I'm finished. If the rapture happened today, would you be left behind? Would you be left behind? It could happen today. We don't know when it's going to happen. Paul the, the New Testament church, they were looking for the rapture to happen any minute. And we've got so, um, we've got so calm in our spirit in thinking that it's going to be a long time before Jesus comes. And that's when he said he might come when you least think it. He may come. So you don't have to be left behind. You can have a guaranteed trip to heaven. You can be saved today. But it's your choice. It's a choice that you make. I, I've never understood, and, and, and I didn't understand why I said no to Jesus for so long. I was saved at a young age. I was saved when I was 11 years old, but I knew before I was 11 years old I needed to be saved or I was going to go to hell when I died. As a child, I knew that. How can a person say no to Jesus? How can a person say, I don't want no part of that. I don't want no part of him. How can a person say, I'd rather live in a Christless grave than to give my heart and my life to Jesus and live in eternity in a place called heaven? How can a person say that? How can a person say, well, I want to be an unrepentant sinner. I'm having a good time like it is, and I'm going to go out that way. How can a person say, well, you know, I'm going out these doors today, and I'm not going to say one thing to the preacher, and I'm not going to say yes to the preacher. I'm going to say no to the preacher, no to the church, no to the invitation. I'm just going to do that. I'm my own boss. I can do what I want to. And you're right. It's your choice. But let me tell you something. If that's your feeling, that's Satan's perversion in your mind and in your heart. He's blinded your mind and blinded your heart. Where you think all of this, perhaps, remember those three things, one of those you'll be. Number one, you don't see the enormity of it. Number two, you've never asked him to save you. And number three, you just think it's a bunch of hogwash and you really could care less about it. Just because you don't believe it, my friend, don't make it not true. There's things happening right now that Christians should be aware that is all biblical and it's sound and prophecies coming to pass and and the most important thing that we see happening right now is that Israel is back in their homeland, and this was a prophecy that would take place before Christ came back at his second coming, and all that they're coming back. Every day, thousands of Israelites are coming back to their homeland. That was a prophecy. And so this is, this is real stuff. And so I hope you won't be left, but it's a choice that you make. And so, you know, you'll hear that trumpet blast, and if you've trusted Christ, that means you've listened to him at one time in your life and you heard the Holy Spirit say you need to make a decision for Christ. You need to step out today. Today's the day of salvation. And some preachers preach and you say, I know I need to give my heart to Christ. And you heard the calling of the Holy Spirit upon your life. And those who come to the Holy Spirit give their life to Christ, one day they're going to hear that trumpet sound. But if you reject Christ, you're not going to hear no trumpet. You're not going to see Jesus at the rapture, and you're not going to hear a trumpet. But those who put faith and trust in Christ will hear the trumpet blast, that last trumpet sound, and we're out of here. We're out of here. So what I'm asking you to do, God's speaking to you today, hear him. 
hear him. If you hear him today, give your heart and your life to him today, one day you'll hear the trumpet blast. But if you reject him and you reject him and you reject him and he's knocking at your heart's door saying, give your heart to me, give your life to me, I'll save you, I'll give you eternal life. And if you, if you refuse to open your heart's door, there will come a time in your, in your life that you won't hear nothing. You're hearing the Spirit now, but there will come a time in your life where you won't hear anything. If I knocked on your door and knocked on your door and you never would come to the door, you know what I'd do? I'd turn and walk off. That's what Christ does. And so the, the biggest lie the devil will tell you, you can get saved anytime you want to get saved. Uh, you have to be called by the Holy Spirit, moved by the Holy Spirit to be saved. If that's happening to you today, I wouldn't waste time to get down here because the Holy Spirit knows a lot of things that we're not aware of. And this is the day of salvation, so don't put it off. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for our time together. Thank you for a tremendous worship service. All these songs, Lord, we're singing about one day, one day, Lord, we're going to see you face to face. One day we'll fly away. When the road is called up yonder, we'll be there. We'll fly away one day. We'll go up to be with you forever. I don't want anybody to miss that trip. And, Lord, I thank you for saving me. I thank you for calling me and your Holy Spirit calling me. And the moment that I said yes to you, that I had peace. I had that peace of God. I had peace with God. The war is over with. I knew that I'd go to heaven one day when I died. I have a peace of God that helps me get through those trying times in my life that I can't even explain that peace. There's people here today, people who are listening, viewing this doing this worship service they need you in their life and as you call them by your holy spirit i pray they'll say yes to you it's not going to be very long not as long as it has been i don't believe and so i pray they'll come today and ask you to forgive them and come into their life and save them thank you for what you're going to do in our time together this is your invitation not mine we're just extending it for you lord and so you work in the hearts and lives of people as they come. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, again, I want to thank you for viewing our worship service. If you'd like to know how you could come to know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, please feel free to contact our church at the address listed. We also encourage you to visit our website, Thank you, and may God bless.